This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. The word Calvary itself is only mentioned one time in the Bible. And uh, if y'all can find it somewhere else, then, uh, then, I'm, then you know, I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that from what I found in that. We're going to start in Luke chapter 23. I'm going to cover a couple of verses and then we'll be skipping back from the Old Testament to the New, back and forth. But in Luke chapter 23, in verse 33, well, let's go to verse 32. And there were two, also two other male factors led with him and put to death. And when they were come to a place which is called Calvary, they were crucified. There they crucified him and the male factors, the one on the right hand and the one on the left. Okay, that's the only place that I can find in the Bible the actual word Calvary is actually mentioned. If you flip over to Matthew chapter 27, there's several references to it. Matthew chapter 27 in verse Pages are falling this morning. We'll have to set these pages out. Keep up. Sticking. In Matthew 27, in verse 33. Verse 32. Let's do 32 and 33. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene. Simon by name, and they compelled him to, he was compelled to bear Christ Jesus' cross. And then when they were come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull. Okay, there's, there's the, there's Mount Calvary in itself. So Mount Calvary is the name of it. And the Aramaic, Aramaic name is Golgotha, which means in the Latin, the skull. In Greek, it means cranian, which is the meaning skull. So a Calvary's got three names. Calvary, which is which actually is one name, Calvary. And uh, it's just uh, the uh, definition in, a, in, in another uh, place. It's called Galgotha and the skull. Okay, there's some... Th- uh, as we start talking about Calvary and the cross and what Christ actually did. There's a couple of things I want to cover real quick because we're going to cover some things that we already know. Let's go to 1 Peter real quick. Well, 2 Peter, I'm sorry. In 2 Peter, and we'll really get going here in a minute, but i got to fumble through these scriptures real quick. In 2 Peter, Chapter 1, you'll say, what has this got to do with the cross and Golgotha and Mount Calvary? You'll see in just a minute. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, our Lord, according to his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to the glory and virtue and virtue, 
whereby are given unto us exceedingly great precious promises, that by these, meaning these promises, ye might be partakers in the divine nature. Okay, the divine nature we'll get to in a minute is when law was done away with and grace ushered in. The divine nature right now is grace. Okay. Let's get back to that. You might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue, your virtue knowledge, your knowledge temperance, your te- and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you in a mound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He that lacketh these things is, far, is blind and cannot see afar off, and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Okay, so when we're talking about Mount Calvary, Golgotha, Skull Hill, we're talking about the law done away with and grace come in, the new divine nature, the things that are now in us that, that prior to that, a high priest had to offer the blood. And we'll bounce back to that in just a minute. Okay, the, the main verse I wanted to, to get to is verse 12. Well, let's go to verse 10 first. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence and make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fail. It doesn't mean failure will come in your life. It doesn't mean that everything you're going to do is just going to just be to be uh, ecstasy. It's just not going to happen. We're going to have failures. But with Christ on our side and Christ now becoming our high priest, our mediator between God and man, before man could, man had to get to God through the high priest. Now we have Jesus, and we'll cover that here shortly. Here's the verse I wanted to say to get to. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Because a lot of the stuff I cover, a lot of the stuff we cover here in the doctrine of the church, though you know them and be established in present truth, will always be put instructed to put you in remembrance of things that we already know. Okay, so we were, we, we're going to bounce back a little bit. So uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to show how when Christ came to Calvary, okay, we said, okay, Calvary is Golgotha in the Aramaic. It's Skull Hill in Latin. It's Cranian in Greek, but it's all Calvary. It's only mentioned one time, Luke 33 in the, in the scriptures. Okay, because of Calvary, Christ, okay, the first Passover, which we'll cover, Christ became our Passover. The sacrificial lamb became the Passover. And uh, he became our high priest. Okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Chapter, verse 6. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out the old leaven. It's saying, look, do away with the law. Purge out the law. This, this, this is no more effect for you. Purge out the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So the scripture saying that Christ was slain and crucified and killed and slaughtered as a lamb without blemish 
he was killed the Passover. So the sacrifice of bulls, goats, and lambs, and, 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 and all that, that was under the law is no longer necessary. Okay. Let's see, Mark chapter 14. I'm going to go back into Passover here in a minute, and we'll show you where we're hidden with that shortly. Mark chapter 14. We've got a whole lot to cover, and I'm going to take my time when I, and break it down when we get to it. Mark chapter 14. Okay. We're going to cover a lot on the feast of Passover when we get back, go back into Exodus and show that the Old Testament prophesies that Christ would die and become the Passover. As Paul explains later, that, that before they didn't know the mysteries. Before the mysteries were unknown and it was hid from them. But now that Christ has died, everything makes sense. He begins to explain the the, the crucifixion and the resurrection and, 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 the, and the grace ushered in where before it was all mystery. Chapter 14. This will all make sense here in just a minute. Mark chapter 14. After two days was the feast of the Passover of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day. See, the feast day is right at, is, is, is they, it was a strict law. We'll show you in a little bit when we get to it that nothing should be, the whole town, the whole country shuts down on feast day. Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. Okay, let's, uh, and being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, he sat at meat, and there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there was some that had indignation within themselves. Now see, you can see the human nature of people. They're supposed to be preparing their hearts for Passover, preparing their hearts for a feast, for, for the feast, preparing their hearts to, to sacrifice a lamb or a goat or, or whatever and, and, and have a, have a feast of Passover. Feast, and we'll get, get into that feast in a minute, the unleavened bread. But here, here they are, had indignation in their hearts because this woman is doing something good. And there was, just verse four again, there was some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this a waste of ointment made? For it had been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her know, why trouble ye her? She hath brought good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, and whensoever you will, you may do good to them. But but me, you have not always. She had done this. She had done what she could. She has come beforehand. See, she was. Jesus knew that this is preparing his body for the Passover. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burying. Wherefore I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken as a memorial for her. You know what we're doing right now? 
we're fulfilling prophecy right here that Jesus says, wherever this gospel is preached, this woman is going to be talked about. This woman right here. She's preparing my body for a Passover. Yeah, we don't, we, they didn't understand that then, but we understand it now. And this is what we're doing this morning. We're fulfilling what Jesus said would happen. We're talking about this lady right here. Okay. Verse 12. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where will we go that we might prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? They still didn't quite understand that this was going to be the last time that they ate with Christ. The Passover. Until his glorified body. Until we meet again. Until, until it's all said and done. Because Christ is becoming the Passover at Calvary, at Mount Calvary. And when, and when the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, the disciples asked him, where shall we go that thou mayest eat the Passover? He sent the two of them the disciples and, and saith unto them, go ye to the city and there shall ye meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he shall go, say unto him, the good man of the house, the master, where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat my Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared and make ready for us. And the disciples went forth and came forth of the city and they found that he had said unto them and they made ready the Passover. They were getting ready to eat the Lord's Supper. And I don't have time really to go through all of that right now, but let's go to, uh, 1st Peter chapter 1 real quick. And then I'll flip back to the Old Testament. But after studying here, that's actually in Mount Zion, right near, right, right there in that upper room. I think, uh, I'm not going to go exactly where that is right now, but 1st Peter chapter 1. It's, my wife said, why don't you get another Bible? You're probably, it's just falling all apart on you because this one talks to me, man, I'm telling you. Uh, this, there's not, nothing like an old book that I've got here. First Peter chapter one, verse 19, and then we'll go back. Okay. Verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold or your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, they, Christ, became the Passover when they slew him on Passover. They could not, they had to do it before the feast. They had to do it before the Sabbath. So Christ was the, was the unblemished, unspotted Lamb of God prepared from the foundations of the world. Okay. Now leading up to that, to Mount Calvary, we're going to flip back into Exodus for a minute. And you're saying, what is all this about that you that you that you're heading to? Because I told you we were going to head to and explain in real detail these feasts, these Passover, the, the unleavened bread, what it's all about, and how it for how it just throws us into the New Testament. We understand now, but they did not then. So let's go to Exodus chapter eleven. And I'm, we're going to bounce around through a few scriptures here. This is really, really important in, in, in what, how we study our Bible even now. 
Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more, one more, upon Pharaoh in Egypt. And afterwards he will let you go. He has done 15 other, or 14 other plagues. He said, no. He said, yeah, you can go, then he changed his mind. Yeah, you can go, then he changed his mind. And all of this stuff happened. He said, okay, I got one more. And after this, he's going to let you go. The firstborn of every single thing that is not under blood, even the cattle, the firstborn of all creation right here in this, in the country of Egypt will die. And uh, let's read it. Afterwards, he will let you go. Verse 2. Speaking to the ears now of the people, let every man borrow of his neighbor, every woman of our neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight I will go. Now this will become important as we get further along in the study the next time, the midnight cry. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. All the firstborn in the land, not just sons and daughters. It's, it's just, this is all the firstborn in the entire land. This, the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, the firstborn of all the beasts. You see that? Every bird firstborn that was alive at that time, every caterpillar, every single thing that was a firstborn that was not under the blood here at this last plague it was going to die, perish. And there should be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as never, there is none like it, like it, nor shall it be any more. But against the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, against man or beast, that ye may know that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and in Israel. Now he's not talking about uh, showing favor on any people. He's showing, this, this is basically showing you the difference between sin and God, the evil and God, good and bad, the, the right and wrong. So he's going to show that there's a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these servants shall come down to me and bow themselves down to me and, and say, get thee out. And all the people that follow, and after that I will go out. Now, he's put it, and so this is Pharaoh is still denying because he had, he is still saying no. And he went out from Pharaoh with great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all the wonders, but before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart that he would not let the children of Israel go out of the land. Okay, here we go. We're heading to the, to the very first Passover, the very first one right here, how it's established. Now we know after the, after the Israelites were led out of bondage into the, in, in, down at the foot of Sinai, they were instructed how to build a tabernacle. The order of service in the tabernacle, the sacrifice changed. How to, how as they roamed for th for forty years in the wilderness, how they were to honor the feast and prepare their their feast, and and they were they were honored. But this is the very first one right here. How they had the whole nation of Israel changed forever. And the Lord spoke unto Moses. This is Exodus chapter twelve. 
verse 1, The Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, you need to understand something about the Jewish calendar. That's a, that's a, they run under two calendars, the lunar and the solar calendar. Okay, the Jewish April is the first month of the year for them. But their new year is in October. It's either the last week of September or the first week of October. This is called, they go, they go, still go by the old, the new moon in October. Or maybe it could, that's why when you, when you look at uh, the day of atonement, why, why sometimes Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacle is on different days of the month, different days of the, why is it when, when God specifies that on the 14th day you're going to do this. He realized that, down, that as after the tabernacle was set up, that these priests and these Jews were going to go by the new moon of the month. They go by new moons of everything. So their first, their, their new years is in October or the last week of September. But the first day of the month, it's kind of confusing. Their first day of the year, first month of the year is April. So this is how we're setting this up so you can understand that, uh, okay. Well, we'll get into that calendar later. I've got several things on the, on the calendar here to cover, but I'm, I'm going to need to jump ahead. All right. Verse two, this month shall be the beginning of months and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Not New Year's, the first month of their year. And speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, the tenth day of this month shall they take to them Every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the ha- if the household be too little for the lamb, let him t- and his neighbor take. Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, he shall take it out of, from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the upper door post of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. And eat not of it raw, nor sodden, nor with all the water, but roast with fire, the head, the legs, and the putinants, that's the guts, thereof, and shall let nothing of it remain till in the morning. That has to do, if you, if you think hypothetically with me, the entire sacrifice. God gave it all. Every single thing he had, he gave to this world, to, to, for, the, to, for sin. And so, there was nothing left of Christ on that cross. His body, his everything, blood, every single, every single thing, he gave it all. Okay, verse. let's go back to verse 10. He shall eat, let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn it with fire, nothing left over. Thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Okay. I want to I want to cover that something else on that for, for in a second. 
But let's go. Let's keep going. This day shall be unto you a memorial. You shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. And ye shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. Seven days ye shall eat unleavened bread. We're not going to cover that. We're covering Passover this time. We're going to get into that, to the, to the meaning of the unleavened bread later. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. And leaven is a symbol of sin. I'm not going to cover that right now. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. God's taking this very serious. And on the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And the seventh day shall be a holy convocation. A holy convocation is, is by law, by Jewish law, the entire Israel camp. Everybody, every single person. That sometimes, you know, you got individual things. You go and you go to the priest and you ask forgiveness. For, but a holy convocation is when they call the entire nation together to honor this feast. That is what a holy convocation is. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for this is the self-same day that self-same day that I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore ye shall observe this day in your generations by ordinance forever. The first month of the fourteenth day in the month of evening ye shall eat unleavened bread, and at the tw- one and twentieth day, there's twenty-one days, even at the, the month at evening. Okay. Verse twenty-one. Then Moses called for all the elders of the Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take ye a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall dip a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood in the, in the basin and strike it on the lintel on the two side post with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door until, you, until in the morning. Okay. Let's go to chapter 13, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here on uh, to some other scriptures here. But here's verse 13 of Exodus. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Sanctify me, all the firstborn. That's important. Whosoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it's mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which he came out of Egypt out of the house of bondage, for by strength the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. There shall be no unleavened bread eaten. This day came ye out in the month of Abib, that's April. And it shall be when the, when ye, the Lord shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites that he swear unto the fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey that thou shalt keep this service, keep this service in this month. Okay. Now. Let me get, move along here for a second. I'm going to come back to that. Okay, we're going back, jumping up to Mount Calvary. So we're going to, he told Moses, he says, once you get in and you shut the door, the door is shut. The death angel is going to come. We'll get, come back to that. I want to make sure I get this uh, the New Testament part in. We'll come back to the Passover the next time I teach. But when the Lord told Moses, when I, when, when whoever's under there, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. That's where Passover came from. 
I'll come back to that. He said, when I see it, when I see the blood, I will pass over that house that's under the blood. And this is a foretaste of what we have now under grace. When we accept Christ as our Savior and, the, and, and Jesus takes, it takes us into his fold, the blood has already been presented. We now, when, when he, when, doesn't matter if you're good, if you're bad, what you do, where you go. Once you're truly saved and born again, the blood is applied. All these people that were in this, in this household, they were still murmuring. They were still complaining. Doesn't mean that they didn't fall. They didn't, they weren't all, they weren't priests. They were just people. I'm sure they were cursing and swearing and everything, but they were in the fold and the blood was there and it was applied and they were safe. The death on their page because the death angel didn't look inside the man's heart to see whether he was prayed up or not. The death angel came over and he when, when if the blood was there, that's that's all that mattered to God was whether they were under the blood. And this is how we're saved, folks. When you accept Christ and you're truly under the blood, there's nobody that's perfect that's ever going to live in this world. Nobody. And when God sees the blood on us. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the Son, Jesus Christ. And when he sees, when God sees the blood, that's what he's, he, the blood, that's, he passes over our transgressions. We have to confess them, but he doesn't hold us accountable for, for forgiven transgressions. I don't know if I said that right, but that's what I mean. It means what you do wrong, if you confess it, he'll forgive it and remember it no more. It's under the blood. There's several things that happened on Calvary. There are miracles that evolved with it, with Calvary itself. And that's what we're talking about today is Mount Calvary, is the sun and moon were darkened. That's a miracle in itself. Can you imagine this? How can anybody be sitting there and watch them crucify the Son of God and all of a sudden the sun gone, the moon gone, and it's just total pitch black? I mean, can you imagine these people, what they, what they actually thought? They were probably, oh, the global warming. Then, then what, another thing that happened was the veil was rent. When Jesus Christ died on Mount Calvary, and I'm going to get right into that here in just a minute, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. And a lot of people don't understand the study on the veil. The veil was knitted 60 foot high. Got that? 30 foot wide. I don't know how high 60 foot is. I don't know how high this is. I, I can't judge. But the veil of the temple was 60 foot high, 30 feet long, and four inches thick. These are the dimensions. We're given that in the Old Testament when God, they was instructed to build it, to go into the tabernacle. 60 foot high, 30 foot wide, and four inches thick. They took four horses and put one on each corner before they hung it and says, you pull with all your might. You beat them till they bleed and you rend it if you can. If you rent, if you can tear this veil, then we got to knit another one. And they sat there and they tried to tear this veil and it was impossible for them. So it was ready, ready to go up to where only the high priest was allowed behind this veil into that tabernacle and offer blood for the sins of the people. Only the high priest. That's it. There was two veils. The, inner, the veil going into inner court where the sacrifice was done. Those were all the priests did the service. Then the priest, the high priest, one high priest would take that blood that was sacrificed and he was the only one allowed behind this veil. And he would go in and offer for the people. And then God would accept it or, and, and accept, accept that blood sacrifice for the people. Even though they were still sinful. Even though they were still sin, sinful people. 
He accepted it, and that's the way it was set up. So when Christ died, that veil of the temple was just from top to bottom, just rent right in half, supernaturally, just rent in half. And that's opened up the door for grace to come in and the law was done away with because then Jesus Christ took the blood of his, his own blood and presented it to God for our sins once for all. And once he presented that, the law was no more effect. That's when grace came in. <clears throat> and, and these people, these priests, and these people in the temple, they tried to sew it back together. They wanted that power still there, and it was gone. It couldn't happen. They, they, they tried to sew it back up and do it and do this sacrifice, and God would not accept any of that. That's how their, their, their sinful nature just continued to get worse and worse. They were sitting there by works, trying to create something that God said by grace was then initiated. So let's, uh, I'm going to get back to that. Then there was a great earthquake. Graves were open. And what's amazing is when Christ came out of that grave, and they went in that temple, the Bible tells us that his clothes were folded and neat in its own place. Now he had been dead laying in there. There was not a wrinkle on it. I don't know if they had irons back then, but anyway, God ironed it for them. The bad napkins were folded. Everything was neat in one place laying on a bed when they went into that tomb. And that's a miracle in itself. But let's jump to Hebrews real quick. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm telling you, we're gonna get into some details about the Passover feast coming up the next time I teach. That's gonna be really, really good for all of us. You'll be strengthened. You don't, you don't want to miss it. All right, let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to chapter nine first. Got a few things I'm gonna jump around here in Hebrews. Talking about just that. Christ became our Passover and he became the high priest. Hebrews chapter 9, chapter verse 1. Then, if they were explained here what happened at Calvary. Then verily, the first covenant had ordinances of divine service, worldly sanctuaries, it's telling you, you had all these works to do. You had to be on, you had to line up and do it. Do, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that for God to meet with you. All this stuff had to be done under law. Then verily, the first covenant had ordinances and divine service and worldly sanctuary for there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein there was a candlestick and the table and the showbread. We're going to get into that soon down the road which is called the sanctuary. After the second veil of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had a golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round with gold, wherein was a golden pot that had manna, Aaron's bud that budded, and the tables of the covenant. That's the Ten Commandments. And it overshadowed, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests, the priests went always into the first part of the tabernacle and accomplished the service of God. They did the sacrifice. They did, they put the sobering out. They lit the candles. But the second veil, but unto the second, verse seven, but unto the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and the errors of the people. 
So he had one, one, that, that one priest was allowed behind that veil, that first veil, one. And he went in once a year. That's the Day of Atonement. That's in October. We're going to cover that later. But, but the bottom line there, there, there but there, what I'm saying there is, I'm going to have to get moving along here. That once that veil of the temple rent in twain, what Paul was writing, that part of the sacrifice where the high priest goes in and offers was done away. Jesus Christ became the high priest. He is our high priest. He is the mediator now that presents, when, when, when we accept Christ, He puts our blood in, and when God sees the blood, He passes over us, because once, once, once for all, Christ presented His own blood. Okay, let's keep reading, chapter, verse 8. And the holiest, and the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way of the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. What He's telling you there is, the reason the priest did that is because Christ had not died yet. So they had to every year go and offer these sacrifices every single year, every single year, every single year. Works. Verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which we were offered the gifts and the sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them in time of reformation. What he's saying, what they're saying here is that it was all works. It was all do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, sacrifice, pray your blood, give it to the high priest, and the high priest goes in and makes intercession for you. All this stuff works. Then when Christ died, that was done away with. That Calvary means no more law, grace. No more law, grace. And uh, let's go. I'm going to have to finish up here for this time. Verse 11. But Christ, being come a high priest, a good thing to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not to say this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the bulls, if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling unclean sanctifies the appearing of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offered himself once without spot, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Okay, we had just covered in First Peter how he was the blameless, sinless, spotless Lamb of God that was that was slain. Okay. So where we are here now, the tabernacle, when that on Sinai, when God told them, you build this tabernacle, and this is how it's going to be built. This is going to be the order of service. This is, this is after they came out of Egypt. The first Passover was set up on the Exodus. Then when they came out and went to Sinai, God said, I want you to build a tabernacle. This is how you're going to build it. This is what you're going to do. This is going to how it's going to be. And you're sacrificing there. Every single month, every single three times a year, four times a year, as we're moving through the wilderness, you'll, will, you, when, when, I had pictures of it the last time. There was a great big pillar. A pillar is something that holds something up, and it's a cloud that comes down by day and fire by night. And they would just follow this. And when, this, when it stopped, they would erect the tabernacle. When it, 
when it would move, they would take the tabernacle down and begin to move after that service. But it was every single ordinance, every single feast, every single time it was time for a feast. They knew the dates. It was set up in Leviticus. Well, let me show you real quick. Let's go to Leviticus real quick. I'm out of time. I'm not going to be able to do that no more. I will real quick. Pastor, I'll have to forgive me just a second. Okay, verse... Uh, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 33. And the Lord spake unto Moses, this is chapter 23 of Leviticus, verse 33. Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be a feast of tabernacles, seven days. On this day shall be a holy convocation. Love verse 37. Here's what he, he laid them out. Verse 37. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Holy convocations of the whole entire nation were ordered by ordinance to, to observe. And the offering made by, by fire. Let me see. I'm not going to be able to have time to finish this. Anyway, the, all these feasts were set up on Sinai and said, the Lord says, when you, when the fire stops, you erect the tabernacle. When the cloud stops, you erect the tabernacle and you honor these feasts. These are my feasts to me. You're not doing it for anything. You're doing it. These are my feasts and you will honor them. And so my point being behind that is once Christ came, he became the high priest. All of this other stuff was not necessary. How in the world they could keep it up? How in the world they did? I, I just don't understand. Like Nicodemus, <laughs> how can these things be? You know, the more I study, the more I just can't find it fascinating. I just can't understand. I can't understand it all. I can only go by what's in here. But I'm, but I'm so thankful for Calvary. Let's quick review here. Oh, shoot. I didn't get to that or this or that. Um, Calvary, it's got three names. This is a quick review. The Aramaic name for Calvary is Golgotha. The Latin name is Skull. The Greek name is Cranion. They all mean Calvary. Calvary, Calvary, Calvary. Calvary is Golgotha. Calvary is Skull Hill. Calvary is Cranion. It's all three. It's all Calvary. And when Calvary came, the law was done away with and grace came in. I've got to stop. I really do. That one... I've got one, two, three, well, anyway, probably 30 references about Passover that I didn't get to, that these, these, the Passover is coming up. That's why we're talking about it now. We just finished. This is the last mountain we covered is Mount Calvary, one of the last. I think I've got two more, but we'll get to those after Easter. The reason I brought Mount Calvary out is because it's when Christ became died, he became, he was, he, he was the Passover that was killed. The blood of lambs, the blood of goats and all that, that was done away with. Christ was killed on the Passover. And then when he was crucified, he became our high priest. Now we've got one man, one mediator between God and man, and that is the son, Jesus Christ. And it's through his blood that we can reach God. We don't have to go through these tabernacles and, and kill animals and all. Uh, anyway, I'm going to have to stop. And, uh, 
I'm, I'm enjoying this. Uh, next time we'll break it down a little bit better for you uh, as far as detail was about Passover. Detail about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Details about 50 days after that Pentecost. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.